0: All right, friends, we're going to get to it. Make sure you got a Bible. Make sure you have a lavender sheet. We will need both today. We will need both today. Before we get started, let's, um, let's pray. Can we do that? Uh, good and gracious, Father, we say thank you that you draw us in today, and not only into worship, but the opportunity this morning we have to study your Scriptures and what it means to become a person of love as we live out these commands given to Israel so many years ago, and yet wisdom for us as we live in Christ. So Father, I pray blessing today. pray for the conversation to be fruitful and forming. Pray, Lord, that all of it would bring blessing, not only to the church, but to the world at large. So these things and all things we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, a couple of things around your table as we get started this morning. We're coming in to commandment number three, a practice that we, obviously, as Holy Cross, are talking a lot about and what it means to remember or to observe the Sabbath. What does it mean to practice that? So we're going to get into all those things today. Uh, So as a way of starting, just maybe like five minutes at your table, these opening questions. One, are you well-rested, and how can you tell Why or why not? Number two, how do you rest? Some of you like a big, long nap, right? Some of you may do activities to rest that give you energy, right? How do you rest? Three, if you had a whole day to only do things that bring you joy, what would you do? And then number four, from your perspective, is rest a waste of time? Why or why not? All right? So five minutes to get after some of these questions. We'll talk about them when we come back. All right? Go. All right, come on back. Uh, just, uh, we're not going to talk about all these questions because we've got lots to get through, but I, but I, am, uh, I am just by show of hands, how many of, th- how many of you believe that you rest well? How many believe that you rest well? However, that is, right? However, you're going to rest, you, you rest well. How many of you struggle to rest well? All right. Well, let's, let's dig in. Let's dig in a little bit. A couple of quotes here that I think set the frame for the rest of our time together. Uh, the first is from Maya Angelou. She says, every person needs to take one day away. A day in which one consciously separates the past from the future. Jobs, family, employers, and friends can exist one day without any one of us. <laughs> and if our egos permit us to confess, they could exist eternally in our absence. Now, friends, that that particular quote may make us uncomfortable, but she's zeroed into truth. Hmm? Each person deserves a day away in which no problems are confronted, no solutions searched for. Each of us needs to withdraw from the cares which will not withdraw from us. And John Lubbock, um, he's a... um, a theologian, contemporary theologian, he says, you know, to lie sometimes on the grass under trees on a summer's day, listening to the murmur of the water or watching the clouds float across the sky is by no means a waste of time. Uh, These two quotes, these two quotes are important for us as we think about the third commandment. So let's remember, right, that the first three commandments... Commandments one, two, and three are how we love God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. Or another way to say this, we love him with everything that we are. Right? Remember that first table of the commandment when God says, you know, when Jesus says, these are the, the most important commandments, this love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. He is summarizing commandments one through three. This is how we love God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. So, commandment number one, why don't you just write it down? Uh, we should know it by now. Commandment number one is what? Right? You shall have no other gods. And then the second commandment is what? Right? Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Do not misuse the name of the Lord. Right? You shall not misuse the name of the Lord. Take it in vain. So to love God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength means we're going to have no other gods, right? The affection and attention of our hearts is solely on Him. And when that's true, then our lips are going to use His name in careful and purposeful ways. And now commandment number three, remember the Sabbath day or observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. So again, these three summarize ultimately what it means to love God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I think it's interesting that in this case, commandment number three, remembering a Sabbath day, is part of how we love God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, what, what do we mean? Uh, what does the commandment mean? So here's, here's Luther from the small catechism, right? What does this mean? It means... To honor the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. It means we should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching and his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. Luther says, this is the meaning, right? That we should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching and his word, but hold it sacred And gladly hear and learn from it. So this is Luther's explanation, small catechism. But my question is, is that all it means? Uh, I don't say this often, but I am gonna say it today. I think, I think Luther is missing a whole chunk of what it means to remember the Sabbath. Uh, This is certainly part of it, it's just not all of it. I rarely disagree with Luther. Uh, But in this case, I really do. Eh, I, I just think he could have added, right? And he chose not to. And we'll get to why his meaning here is what it is and why I think he's missing a big chunk of what it means to remember the Sabbath. We'll get to that in just a little bit, okay? I promise that we'll come back to it. And I think he probably has good reason not to include the parts that I think he should have. Yes, it could have been the Sabbath day in which he was thinking up these things. And so, just trying to lay it there, so true. So true. Uh, We'll get there, uh, because I do think, again, I do think think him not putting in what we're going to talk about is representative of what's happening in his local context, and we'll talk about that in a second. All right, so the word Shabbat, where we get the word Sabbath, the word Shabbat has several meanings, right? As a verb, it literally means to stop or to rest. To stop or to rest. If you Shabbat something, you stop it. Sounds, if you're not careful, that sounds almost dirty, right? Shabbat it, just stop, rest, right? But it can also mean, in some of its other forms, it can also mean worship and delight. And those are, those are meanings. So if you think of a dictionary, right? If you think of a dictionary and you get a word, you sort of have the first meaning, the second meaning, the third meaning, the fourth meaning, right? And sort of all these meanings. Worship and delight comes down in sort of like the fourth and the fifth meaning. It is a part of the meaning of the word Shabbat. It's is not its primary meaning, which is to stop or to rest all right but it does mean those things and i want us to hang on to those things for sure all right we're gonna need bibles we're gonna look at exodus chapter 20 and deuteronomy chapter five so if you want to look up both of them simultaneously maybe put one in deuteronomy like a piece of paper or a pencil or figure out a way to keep that page because we're gonna look at exodus first and then we're gonna look at deuteronomy and we're gonna look at them kind of right next to each other because as I said last time, what I wanted you to do was to read these texts and to note what's the same, but also what is different and why we should care about those differences. So we're going to look at those. Uh, we're going to look at those this morning. So Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. So again, put something in Deuteronomy five. Hold on to Deuteronomy. We're going to look at Exodus first. Exodus 20, we're going to start at verse eight of Exodus twenty. Says this it says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath, here it is, to Yahweh your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days Yahweh made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, Yahweh blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy. Now, I want you to keep a finger in that for a second, we're going to go back to Deuteronomy chapter 5, and let's just look at these right next door to each other. So Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12. It says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as Yahweh your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to Yahweh your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock Or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and Yahweh your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, Yahweh your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So these two, right next to each other, Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. As a table, as a table, I want you to discover what is the same between these two texts, and what is different. And then, as a large group, we'll talk about what's notable. All right. So, as a table, what's the same? What's different? And then, as a large group, we'll talk about what's notable. I'll give you a couple minutes. All right, go. All right. Let's chat a little bit about this. Can can, can we agree? Can we agree that the bulk the bulk of the commandment as written both in Exodus and Deuteronomy, the bulk of it is the same? Yeah? The bulk of it is the same. Uh, it is interesting. This is the commandment that uses the most words, even in the Hebrew. There's more words for this commandment than the others. I don't know if it means anything, but God's taking some extra time to talk about it, or at least some extra words to talk about it. So, so what's different, then, between the Exodus version and the Deuteronomy version? What are the big differences? Denise? <laughs> so in Exodus, like, I think you should, right? Uh, versus kind of your feel of Deuteronomy, like, no, you need to do this. Good. What are all some of the other differences? Pat? Talks about uh, Egypt. Okay, so Deuteronomy talks about Egypt, right? Uh, in many ways, Deuteronomy talks about the Exodus. Right, so Deuteronomy is talking about, let's just mark that, Deuteronomy is talking about Egypt. And I would say uh, it is the rescue out of it. So in Deuteronomy, let's hang on this for a second. In Deuteronomy, we get the bulk of the commandment, which is to remember the Sabbath day. And we get kind of all the same explanations that we do from Exodus. But near the end, we get this sort of reason. You'll remember that God brought you out of Egypt. He, he literally rescued you out of slavery. Now I want to hang on to this idea. So in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the exodus, that event when God rescues his people out of Egypt, is going to lead them through the desert to the promised land, right? The exodus is the salvation event of the Old Testament. It is the salvation event of the Old Testament, the prophets are going to refer to it. the writers are going to refer to it. When they talk about the Exodus, they are thinking about, "This is God's largest salvation act of the entire Old Testament, when He rescues His people out of Egypt." And because that's true, with Deuteronomy, I want us to hang on to this idea of salvation. It's important. Now, let's compare this just briefly. Let's compare it with Exodus, with the Exodus text. Most of it is the same as Deuteronomy, but near the end, he gives you a different reason for remembering the Sabbath that is not the Exodus event. Why do we keep the Sabbath in the Exodus text? Yeah, so, so in some ways, uh, we hearken back to the creation Right, that on in the creation, God took six days to make everything that we know, and then he took one day to rest. And because God did it this way, you do it this way. Remember the Sabbath day, because in many ways it's sort of written into the creation that there is a rhythm that God Himself abided by, and so we should. So we're keeping these two things in tension for a second. I want us to hold on to these. In the Exodus, in the Exodus text, we remember the Sabbath day because it is in many ways the rhythm of creation. It is the rhythm that God Himself did. The Deuteronomy text is we keep, we keep the Sabbath. We keep the Sabbath because, because It is somehow connected to salvation. It's somehow connected to salvation events. Now, this is important for us to hang on to these two things. We're going to keep coming back to these two things. Because Luther, let me come back to Luther for just a second. Luther really hinged on only one of these things. He was concerned with one of them, not both of them, which is why I said he's not really wrong. He's just incomplete. He hinges on one of these. So here's what I to look at first. We're really going to kind of focus our attention on this Deuteronomy text first, this rescue out of Egypt, how God delivers us Out of slavery, right? Kind of this salvation piece. And to do that, we're going to have to jump into the New Testament, to the book of Hebrews, all right? The book of Hebrews. So uh, you'll want probably to keep a finger somewhere in Exodus, if you can, or a piece of paper or a pen, because we'll come back to the Exodus text in a little bit. But let's get to Hebrews. So New Testament. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 4. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, so Dominic, God bless him. Dominic's like, hey, Pastor, I feel like I read somewhere that there was. Um, There was a small water event, right? And in that water event, there was a a family of eight that God saved, put them on a boat that he built in the desert. And then in that water event, right, all these things happened. He's not incorrect. But what I want to suggest to you is that the writers of the Old Testament, when they think about God's big salvation act, they don't point to Noah. They point to the Exodus, It's not that they don't care about that story, right, of Noah, not only in the saving of humanity, which is certainly true, it's also the destruction of humanity. But all the, right, like the prophets, bless you, the writers of the Psalms, right, when they refer to kind of the salvation event of the Old Testament, they look to the Exodus, right? So there are other moments, Dominic's not incorrect. There are other moments where God has exercised his saving work for his people. So that if I'm stacking them up from the Old Testament writers, the Exodus is the top. Yeah. All right. All right, Hebrews, let's look at Hebrews chapter four. Now, to, to get into Hebrews chapter four, to get into Hebrews chapter four uh, just a little bit, we've got to remember that the writer to the Hebrews. Uh, is, is trying to, to give us a picture, early Christians a picture really, of what it means to faithfully follow after Jesus. And he's going to paint the picture that Jesus is greater than Moses, uh, that Jesus is greater than Abraham, that Jesus is greater than angels, right? He's pointing to the greatness of Jesus and what it means to follow faithfully. Now, in Hebrews chapter 3, I know that I said 4, but in Hebrews chapter 3, just a little bit before, Uh, the writer to the Hebrews begins a conversation about what it means for the people of God to rest. So before we get to chapter 4, kind of just right before it, the Hebrew writer starts this conversation of what does it mean to fully have rest for God's people. Now, if you want to look at chapter 3 briefly, I'm going to read right at verse 7 of chapter 3, and then I'll get to 4. The Hebrew writer says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, now he's quoting, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. On the days of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. So if I'm just pausing here for a second, the days of the rebellion, what days is he referring to? The what? Not the golden calf. That's a good guess, though. What days is he talking about? What's that? Nope. Yes, we're talking about the time of Israel after after they're out of Egypt and before they enter the Promised Land. Forty years of wandering around the desert. Right, because you'll remember. You'll remember. Uh, If you you think back to the Exodus story, here we are again, Dominic, right? We're back to this story again. If we think back to the Exodus story, God rescues his people out of Egypt and takes them to the promised land, right? Shows them where he wants to deliver them. Uh, God's people send in a couple of spies to check out the promised land. Those spies come back and they give a report that basically says, I don't think we can do it. Except for two spies, Joshua and Caleb, they're like, no, we can do it. God's got it. Well, they go with the 10 rather than the two. In other words, in that moment, they failed the trust that God can deliver on his promise. And what's the result? They get to wander around for 40 years. Why? Because in 40 years, that generation will have died off. That's the reason why. So when he's talking about the rebellion, this is what he's talking about, right? Entering into the promised land, and not trusting that God's going to actually take them to the land of what they would call rest. So in verse 10 of chapter 3, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. And so as I swore in my wrath, listen, they shall never enter my rest. So they're going to wander around for 40. God bless it. Mm -hmm i going to die off a generation. So let's get to chapter 4 now. So that's, he's starting the conversation about God's people entering into rest. Uh, we get to 4. I'm going to look at verses 1 through 3a. It says, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of us should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall never enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. A couple of things here. If you're in your Bible and you want to underline or you're doing it digitally, here's what I would pay attention to. The promise of entering his rest still stands. There was a rest that was promised for God's people of Israel that they never entered into, but that promise of rest still stands for God's people. And then let us fear, lest any of us should seem to have failed to reach it. In other words, we should be aiming for that rest. I'll get there. Yep. So the good news, the good news that came to us, came to them but they didn't benefit from it Mm -hmm. this is verse three for we who have believed enter that rest we who have believed enter that rest so those of us who have faith in christ have entered into rest we're going to come to this question of spiritual and physical here in just a second I promise I will get there. Now let's look at verses 6 through 11, a little bit further down. Uh, Since, therefore, it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David, so long afterwards, in the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest... God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains, here's this word, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. There is a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Verse 11, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience as before. The writer to the Hebrews recognizes that there is a a Sabbath rest for God's people. And what the writer of the Hebrews is doing, and this is to our point, the writer of the Hebrews is hinging similar to Deuteronomy. The writer to the Hebrews is hinging more on that God needs to rescue us out of slavery and bring us into the land of rest. The writer to the Hebrews is playing with this image in the background. The God's got to be able to rescue us, and we trust his work of rescue. And when we trust that work of rescue, then we will experience Sabbath rest. So in the background, the writer of the Hebrews is really this kind of understanding of rest. Now, the writer to the Hebrews is going to point to Jesus, who is greater than Abraham, greater than Moses, greater than angels. The writer to the Hebrews never quite says it, but he's going he's to hint at that Jesus is our Sabbath rest. So let's look at one more text, because Jesus himself says it explicitly, We'll know this text well. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. So Matthew, Matthew's gospel. We'll look at verses 28 through 30. So Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. So 28, Jesus says, come to me all who, are lab- uh, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find what? Rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yoke, we've talked about this before too, yoke, right, is, a, is an instrument of burden, right? You put it on oxen as they plow. Puts them together. And Jesus saying, hey, when you come to me, I'm going to give you, right, my yoke. If I, could, if I could change the language here, Jesus, if I could change the language here just a little bit, it would essentially be Jesus saying this. Listen, if you're worn out and tired, and the context here of the text is if you're worn out and tired from trying to find freedom, for your souls, if you're worn out and tired from trying to earn your way to the Lord, if you're worn out and tired from trying to achieve so that God would recognize you, Jesus is saying, come to me and the work that I'm going to do on a cross and through an empty tomb, that yoke which I wear The fruit of that work is going to be yours. So let my work of cross and tomb be your rest. In other words, Jesus is saying, you do not work your way into freedom, but I'm going to work your way into freedom. In the same way that Israel, Israel could not work their way into freedom in the Exodus. God had to rescue them. Jesus is saying the same thing. You cannot work your way into freedom. And if you're tired and worn out from that work of trying to get to freedom, guess what? Come to me and let my work give you the freedom. Let me take you into the promised land, or as the writer of the Hebrews says, I'm going to take you into Sabbath rest, where you get to enjoy communion with the Lord and be with him, not only today, but every day. So on, on one hand, as we say here, Jesus is our Sabbath rest. His work, not ours, and his obedience, again, not ours, gives us an eternal rest, one in which we get to commune with God right? today and every day. And in that, that eternal rest, there is nothing but joy and delight. When we get to be with the Lord forever, there's nothing but joy and and delight so in christ listen in christ we have we have sabbath rest for our spirit and one day for our bodies we have sabbath rest now for our spirit and one day our bodies in other words the work of christ is our rest and this, friends, forms the basis for Luther's understanding of the, of the third commandment. We should fear and love God so that right, we gladly hear the preaching of the word and learn from it. Why? Because Luther knows that we cannot earn our way to that Sabbath rest. The only way we get to that Sabbath rest is in the work of Christ. Christ alone by faith alone right which comes from the word alone so luther luther is really hinging on this side right of the deuteronomy side of knowing that you can't earn your way into that sabbath rest but that god's work in christ is going to earn your way into that sabbath rest so he focuses here because in, at his time, right, he wants people to get that there is nothing you can do to enter into that Sabbath rest. And at the time of Luther, guess what? The church was teaching what? Oh, yeah. You can do lots of things to earn your way in. So, so we can see, right, we begin to see that Luther, responding to his culture is really kind of focused on the deuteronomy side the salvation side right that our rest comes in christ that eternal rest right we have eternal rest now sabbath rest for spirit we will one day have it for body as well and this is true but here's the question luther doesn't address this at all So this isn't inaccurate, it's just, as from, again, my perspective from Luther, it's incomplete. What do we have to learn about Sabbath as creation's rhythm? In other words, if Christ is our Sabbath rest, do we need to practice the Sabbath? In other words, do we need to kind of get into this six days of work and one day of rest rest? pattern. So, as a table, I would love for us to try to come to a conclusion. If Christ Jesus is our Sabbath rest, do we actually have to practice the six-in-one rhythm that God set up in the creation? All right? A couple minutes to solve what theologians have been trying to solve for thousands of years. I have trust in you. A couple minutes. Go. We'll come back to it. All right, come on back. If Christ Jesus is our Sabbath rest, we need to practice the Sabbath? we need to get into this six and one? This table just definitively said to me that they have it figured out. So, uh, I know. You know, it's, uh, it reminds me of a moment. Uh, it reminds me of a moment when, we, when I first got to the seminary. I don't know if this happened to Pastor Adam too, but I remember first getting to the seminary. And uh, a professor kind of saying, "Hey, you know, um, the next four years is going to be a lot of you trying to figure things out. And if you think you have it figured out, you're probably wrong. In fact, if you haven't figured out, you're probably a heretic." So, here we go. <laughs> this will be a great moment. I'm just kidding. Uh, so, so how do yeah? How do we solve it? What was what was the definitive conclusion of this table? Okay, good. We'll talk about does the Sabbath have to be a particular day? Good. What else? We figured that the older the pastor was, the more second his ways he was. Yeah. He would be not as flexible as maybe somebody coming on the to seminary today. Yeah. That could understand and think they see through everything, but yet Christ had this all put together four thousand years ago. Yeah. I mean, you ain't gonna. Ta- you can change his ways. But it's not gonna fly. Yeah, yeah. So, first of all, I love Dwayne's kind of opening. Like, it, well, depending on the age of the pastor, right? It's good. So, so good. Hey, where would you in that in the in the timeline of pastors? No, nah, Dwayne, don't answer that question. Actually, but no. So, what Dwayne is saying, what I think is really uh, what's really good is you know, uh, depending on depending on the pastor's experience. Uh, they may be more set in their ways than less set in their ways, right? But at the end of the day, we don't get to argue with the way Jesus set up the world. Right? Whether I'm new or old. Right? What else? Do we have to do it? Should we do it? What do you reckon? Larry? Well, we kind of this around differently. Okay. Hey, what is, what is, we're focused on the work but what is the... Battery levels Okay. Oh. So Larry is just saying that instead of, instead of thinking about rest, we're thinking about what gives us energy, right? So kind of turn that around. If, if, if I've been laboring for six days, right, with my mind and my body, and I'm wearing those things down, it seems appropriate then that we should take a day in order to let those batteries be charged back up, right? Body and mind, right? Uh, and it shouldn't be, I, I would argue, it shouldn't be separated from this. I also need my spirit recharged, Right? I, I I can't I can't leave this, right? You could fall off the horse in either direction, I think. Any last comments? What do you think? Do we need to practice it, Tammy? I have a question. Today <laughs> when God rested on the seventh day, everything was perfect. Yeah. I mean, how does he rest today now when he's got millions of people battering him every single <laughs> day? <laughs> so, I was looking for uh, an answer from Tammy. I got a question instead. That's great. Tammy's <laughs> question. Right, so, so when God rested in the order of creation, he rested when all things were still perfect. Right? All things were still perfect. The creation was still perfect. He gets to just walk in the garden in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve, right? just chilling. Right? His... Remember, yeah. It's good. So, there is a a call to remember it. Uh, Tammy, I think it's worth worth remembering, right to your question, uh, that creation is broken, but the Lord is not. Right? God isn't broken. God is still in perfection. Now, how in his perfection he could still rest, we would chalk this up in theology to the hidden things of God. right? Because we're imperfect and we're trying to describe perfection, we're limited in that. Right? But it's a great question. When there's so many needs around the world, how does God take a moment and say, "You know what? Just going to be, yeah." Well, we're out of time, so that's good. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> it's a little bit of. Uh, here's the thing we we will we will address it. Uh, And I think it's really important that we address it, because I I absolutely believe that these two things need to work in tandem. That the writing in Exodus and the writing in Deuteronomy are actually for our good when we hold them together. In many ways, uh, we need what Luther was talking about. We need what Moses was talking about in Deuteronomy. We have to know that our spirit has a Sabbath rest and that one day our bodies do. And because we have a spiritual Sabbath rest presently, that that actually has effect on our spirit and our body, right? But the same argument needs to be made that when we rest physically, mentally, emotionally, it affects our spirit, right? It goes both directions. And we can fall off on either way, we're gonna say that Jesus is our Sabbath rest and be the most unrested people on the planet. Or we can fall off the other direction and right? think somehow by by working out our rest we're gonna earn our way to the Lord. Right? It's possible to fall off on both sides. So we're gonna to try to figure out how to hold these two things in tension. Alright. For next time, what I'd love for you to look at is Mark chapter 2, verses 27. Uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 27. It's on the sheet there, so it's the very next thing. When Jesus talks about the Sabbath, and we'll pick up there in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, we'll pick up there next Sunday, all right? All right, let's pray, and I'll get you out. Lord, you are so good, thankful for the laughter today, uh, for the levity today, for the, man, just the, yeah, the spirit that is in the air today, so grateful uh, for the joy that you give us as we come around your word Lord, we pray that by the work of your Spirit, you would continue to form and shape in us an understanding of rest and Sabbath. So to that end, Father, may our minds and our hearts and our spirits continue to ponder over the course of the week. May it be a blessing to us as we begin to press into what does it mean to really remember this Sabbath day. So Father, as we go either to worship or home, we pray for your blessing in the name of Jesus. Amen.